Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. You guys want me to take out? Just let me know. So, um, all right, sounds good. Cool. We're uh, we're live. All right, I got I got my two buds here now. My my two online buds here, uh, Harris and uh, Brian. Man, uh, I think most people will probably see Brian on the on one of the previous episodes when you were what at like twenty five hundred followers, Brian. You were really early. oh geez, yeah, yeah, you were. I think we met at 700 um, yeah. and then I went up to 25 when we had the podcast. It was, it was crazy. Amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to let you guys, uh, whoever wants to kick it off, give a little bit of an intro, what you guys are working on, what you guys are doing, and uh, we can take it from there. Absolutely. Um, I'll take it since we were just talking. <laughs> um, so I'm uh, Brian O'Connor. Um, for context, I've been a management consultant for the past six years focused on uh, helping Fortune 500s with their growth strategy. Uh, so that's helping them figure out, hey, what markets do we go into? What new products should we launch? What customers do we target? That kind of work. Uh, and so my goal here is to take all that kind of ideologies and frameworks from that the, the, the biggest companies have access to and, and bring it to everyone else, bring it to the small businesses on Twitter. Um, and so I'm using both LinkedIn and Twitter to to distribute these these ideologies and help companies grow um, and and using that audience to um, bring them into my newsletter where in my newsletter I, I, I get really in the weeds and help help uh, help small businesses get bigger love it love awesome. it thanks Brian and uh, I'm Harris Fanneroff I am the now founder of activate onboarding which has been through my Twitter and LinkedIn journey which has been a lot of fun. So over the last eight plus years, been working with chief HR officers and really on the human resources side of business. And over the last, say, two years, I really started to, to figure out what were some of the big things that they were talking about. And onboarding actually came up as a, as a big area of focus, especially in this new remote world. And so what I did was take uh, hundreds and hundreds of conversations and curate that into where can I start a business? What can be helpful to my audience of, of people in the HR field or founders who are looking to give their new hires a, a good first impression and have, have created a business off of it. I've met some amazing people on Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, grateful to be connected to, to both of you and excited for our conversation. I love it. I love it, man. Uh, well, first of all, I want to touch on that. When when you and I originally talked, Harris, and you were telling me about the onboarding thing, it touched a lot of points because I've done the agency work, remote work, and all this other stuff. So I want to. I just want to quickly touch on, like, is that as you were kind of going through, you know, those conversations and everything else, did you see a lot of the Twitter world and all that sort of failing at that onboarding process. When you looked at these companies, did you see a lot of people, you know, talking about management, talking all, the, all these things, and then you just kind of found this little slot where you're like, damn, I know this really, really well. I actually really enjoy this process. So I'm going to try to build this, whether you want to just build the audience first or build the product on the side, whatever that is. I just want to know how you stumbled upon that. And is that something that you've been kind of tapping into for a while? So my like social media journey started with LinkedIn and that's where I like really started to build and that's where I would start to really talk and, and post. 
And then I started to go more onto Twitter, but really where I started to hear a lot of this was on LinkedIn at first. And so it was about gauging that and then having just an insane amount of conversations with different HR leaders and just like getting pretty, pretty granular saying, what are some of the big priorities and the things that you're focused on? And so there were a number of different areas that people tended to, to share information about. But the one that kept coming up was especially in like this new remote hybrid world. What does it look like to effectively bring people into an organization? And that's changed because it used to be, oh, I could go sit next to Brian because we both started at Deloitte and we're going to learn to get it. But that no longer is really occurring for a lot of different organizations. And so I started to hear more and more of this. And then it really became like, all right, I'm going to start kind of posting some of the things that I know that I'm aware about. And it started to build a little bit of momentum. And luckily I was, I was lucky to have friends like Brian who are like, this is some pretty good stuff. Like keep kind of pushing on it, pushing on it, pushing on it. And that led me to a lot more kind of insights to it, doing my own research, having more conversations and sharing that out to the world. Uh, so a little bit of trial and error and really just, and can we curse on this Absolutely. podcast? Absolutely. Fucking give it to him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shit kind of conversations, man, that, that led me down this road and down. I this love path. it because because yeah. to me, honestly, man, that's one part that I've I haven't seen a lot of. And when you and I talked, it was really it triggered something. I was like, wow, pre-boarding and onboarding, like that's something you just receive a packet in the mail and read the fucking thing and get to the office and start working. And like you said, you're sitting next to somebody. And so uh, I love that Brian uh, Brian pushed you into this because I think it's a I think it's an untapped market. I don't know how you feel. You probably know more about it than I do, but. I don't hear about it often enough, to be honest with you. And I myself am a business owner, so I wish somebody would give me something where I just send literally an email. I'm like, onboard these five people that we're hiring tomorrow. <laughs> well, I actually think part of Harris, your journey that you, you kind of glazed over and I think would really benefit listeners here uh, is how you found your niche. Because I think for a while, one thing that I think, uh, Harris, you can speak more to it, but I think his yeah. growth uh was a little stagnant i think between four five and six k um yeah. and one of the main drivers that that we were talking about is um he's talking a bit about everything and so for the longest time was hey how do i find how do i find my niche how do i find my niche and how do i talk about that one thing um and then all of a sudden out of nowhere harris i think you did some you looked into it and came up with this onboarding is my thing i will own onboarding and ever since then he's been so on target uh nailing onboarding and now uh, you can speak to the traction, but I would assume you're going to now build yeah. an audience around people who are so interested in onboarding that your traction is going to shoot up. Um, and because a lot of people on the, on listening to this probably have a hard time figuring out what their niche is and maybe afraid to uh, to commit. I'll speak on I'll speak it's on that because I was fucking terrible at it, man. Like absolutely <laughs> terrible at it. I mean, I was you know running an agency, running so many different things. Like onboarding was I, I got to say almost like the last thing on the list because it was like, hey, we have a project. I need you to get on right now. So it's very different, but yeah, I'd love to hear on 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 what you what you like zeroed in on, and you're like, this is my this is my shit right here. Yeah, the uh, the niching down is like something that, and it took months and months of actually being able to kind of figure it out. But I think what original worry was like, I I don't know if I can talk enough about this to like continue to post every day because my goal is to really post every single day on Twitter two to three threads a week and then five days a week on LinkedIn is really the goal. So I think the original worry was like, I don't know what I can focus on. I don't know if I'm a quote expert enough on anything to spend that much time. But then that's really to Brian's point, like when you start to actually build some momentum and people like know you for something is like really kind of, the, in my opinion, the whole point, it's like you're the go-to person for X. And if you can become that, that's when it starts to snowball a little bit. People start to put like, Oh yeah. Like, 
onboarding matters to me. Let's go to Harris. Or even like now it's been cool. Like people are like, someone will post about onboarding. They're like tagging me in it, which yeah. has been like a really cool, like fun experience. And so like for people that are worried about niching down, like there are some really cool benefits to niching down that I didn't know at first, but once you start to do it, I really see some really cool benefits. Uh, and I'm lucky that every time I, I, I've called this out a bunch of times, but like when I was all over the place, Brian would be like, Harris, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Niche down. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm really, really trying, but it took like having like a product and like something to be able to like, share with the world that really helped me be I, able to do it. So I, that was I love that. And I feel like that's the real dopamine rush there too, right? When people tag you and you're like, how the fuck did I get pulled into this conversation right now? Like, oh, onboarding, like you read the whole thread. No, I love that, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and, and and Brian, and now on your side of things, you're going uh, you're going into a different country to go do your thing like you, like we talked about. I think we can all even reference the first, uh, first episode we did together. You're like, man, I want to, do this thing and then I'm going to go travel and live this different lifestyle, do this thing. So I'd love to know, like, in terms of your growth and everything, how, how has it been and what's, what's taking you to, you know, would you say Thailand, I think? Yeah. So I've always, a part of the reason that coming Twitter, um, I've always wanted to travel, you know, the, um, the, the term for it is, is a digital nomad, mm -hmm. right? Someone who works online is able to go work from anywhere. Um, And so I wanted to, back in January, February, um, I, I found these people on YouTube who were just traveling the world, going to Bali, going to wherever they wanted to, in these really exotic places with just a laptop in front of them and doing the work that I was doing like in a cold basement in a Boston <laughs> winter, right? Um, and so I was watching them being like, wow, like how can I create that life? How do I create that world? Um, and the answer for me was, was Twitter. So how to basically, um, two things, one driving traffic to, to, to a product. Um, and so when people are trying to come up for people who are interested in that kind of lifestyle, um, you have essentially a choice of product and service, um, after driving traffic, because that's the most important thing niche down, like Harris said, and then drive traffic to a product or service. I chose product, um, because it's, it's less time zone dependent. Um, smart move where most people, yeah, because if you, if I have a gum road page and I drive people to that gum road page, they can do it while I sleep. I don't have to be awake, um, to make money on the other hand with a service, you could probably make more money quickly. Um, but you're, you're tied to a time zone. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a, that's a super smart move. because I'm starting to realize that with my service agency, I'm like, I need to get the fuck out because of reason X, Y, and Z, because it's all time. It's like my time tied to this thing and going into the product space, you're, you know, you put something out there and you're just like, Hey, all I got to do is keep running this wheel. And, um, so are you, are you either of you guys doing any actual, because I know, uh, Harris, you're actually building a product, but are you also doing consulting on the side to kind of get the, get everything off the ground? And then I guess Brian for yourself as well, like, on your side of things, are you doing some consulting work just in terms of, you know, the short term stuff while you build up that product? I'd love to know that. Mm -hmm. I can, uh, I'll start. Uh, consulting's actually been like a byproduct. I wasn't intentionally going to do it, but it's come up with people who are like, I don't necessarily want to purchase the service right now because we're not ready, but like, do you have a consulting package? And so it's actually come up organically, which has been pretty cool. 
to Brian's point, my bigger focus area is on like creating products around while I sleep. And that's essentially what the software and technology does. But in the meantime, like those consulting hours and conversations are gold for what I'm creating. So I actually really like being able to have the hybrid of both. But like at the end of the day, I'm really trying to drive people towards the product. Or and you're able to extract a lot of conversation and data that you can use for, you know, social media and stuff like that, I'm sure as well. Right. Exactly. I love exactly. that. And how about you, Brian? Are you doing a lot of consulting on your side of things? So I'm not. Um, and so I. I knew I'm, I'm in a fortunate position because I knew back since January, February, when I had my full-time job, um, I knew I was going to be doing this route. Right. And so I cut expenses like crazy um, and just saved money as much as I possibly could. Um, and so now I have essentially this nest egg of money that I'm devoting to surviving on for the next call year. Um, and then also I have uh, courses. So I'm doing uh, some, some courses on, on strategy Um That'll help kind of fund what I'm working on. Um, my main focus is the newsletter. Oh, okay. So I, I'd love to I'd love to build my newsletter. So right now, I'd, I'd love to. My goal is to get it to about ten thousand subscribers by the end of the year, uh, thirty thousand by the beginning of Q1 next year, um, and then start kind of monetizing closer to fifty thousand. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, I, I'm I'm super super happy to hear this because man, I love seeing people take their own little like path and start building these little branches and all that. So I'm super pumped about it. But I want to go back to what you said earlier, Brian. Like the whole nine to five, building a side hustle, doing kind of both things and all that. Um, I guess Harris, how are you managing all of that right now, and how's it sort of consuming your day? And you know having a job and also, you know, building a company basically. Yeah. I, I, I would lie if I'd say it's all, if I said it's easy, like it's Never. not, I mean, it's essentially like a, like a six thirty to eight thirty, and then six thirty to eight thirty on the other side. Like, like that's a lot of what it is. And sometimes on weekends as well. Um, but like if you really, and this is, everyone says it, but like if you actually care about something like, it doesn't feel like work. And like when you have quote, like your baby that you're working on, it's like, I'm fired up. I'm excited to wake up early to do it. I like to do it at night. Like, I feel like that's, what's been cool about connecting with people on Twitter is like people are fired up to be working on what they're working on. It's not like, Oh shit, another, another day, another nine to five. I'm, I'm counting down the hours to five. It's like, nobody's doing that. Like literally nobody that I've talked to on Twitter or LinkedIn is like, counting down the hours till they get to work, which is like different than 95% of people in the workplace, it feels like, which is like such a wild concept, but like really cool to see. And like you engage with people who are fired up about what they're working on. That's been something that I've loved about engaging on Twitter and LinkedIn. I love it. And how about you, uh, uh, Brian, on your side of things when you, I mean, I know you were kind of the job and then sort of building this thing on the side how was how was that process and when did you know did you give yourself a timeline or did you give yourself something else in terms of like hey this is the point where i go into my own world and and do my solopreneurship mm -hmm. um so my story is and i think i said it briefly in the last podcast but I'll reiterate um i was working 90 sometimes 100 hour weeks um and and felt like i had no control of my time um, and so I had that realization, um, that, that, yeah, that I was losing control of my time. I, I was getting calls late at night, 
on weekends to do projects and I wanted to, um, to a make more money, uh, because when, when you do really well, you get to keep the money. Right. And then B, I wanted to, to be able to go when I, where I wanted, when I wanted like Bali, Thailand, that kind of right. stuff. Um, so the exciting part about working online is that you, you find your niche and things that you're excited about. So find, you find a topic that you're most excited about, right? And then you have a hundred different ways you can monetize it. And so you find the way of doing that, that you're most excited about. And so essentially you're creating a world where you're making more money with more flexible time doing the kind of, the kind of work you love. Um, and, but to Harris's point, it, the first while is, it was a challenge. Um, I, I was a little on the extreme end. I, I definitely, because I had such a crazy life, uh, work day. Um, I would start at 5 a.m. and end at 11 p.m. every day. Um, I was, but um, I, I was no, I was about to, I was about to ask you how did you manage even like I mean you put out some crazy ass content. I'm sure it requires a lot of research. Like how the hell did you manage putting that shit out when you're working 90 to 100 hour weeks? Like that's insane, dude. Yeah, it was. Is that that I passion? Mean, Is that that passion you're talking about? Is that like? I need to fucking do this because I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. I mean, part of it, man, was like if uh, I felt like I was in control of my destiny, you know, like if I work harder, I make more money. Or if I work harder, I have the opportunity to do what I want to do. Um, whereas before working for someone else, if you work harder, you get a better pat in the back, you know. Um, and so that fired me up. And I knew that if I wanted to if i woke up earlier if i used to work later um that means i could live my life faster you know um and so that fired me up and so i did that probably from honestly kind of still um but that's just because at this point i'm just so used to it and so excited to do it that i keep doing it um but it's it's exciting because you you get if you work harder you get to create the life you want to live and and that's kind of what i'm what i'm all about right now that's amazing i i might one thing I might add, just to, to both, I don't want to speak for Brian, but I, I know Brian well enough to know that this is also true, but, or Brian. Right? <laughs> it, all, it also takes like a lot of time and like you have to be consistent. And there's a lot of really tough, shitty times where you put something out and you're like, I think this is amazing. Everybody's going to care and love this. And like, nobody gives a shit. And you have to be willing and okay to be like, that might happen a lot, a lot, a lot. And just like keeping okay with that. I mean, there are even some times where I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Six people care, right. whatever. Like, and I think that that is such an important aspect. It's not as if everything is just like perfect, at least for me, not as if everything's perfect now. Yeah. Like things are going swell. Like, there's still a ton of really hard and bad shit that's consistently happening. So I want to reiterate that that is an important aspect still going on every single day. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I mean, it's definitely not roses, right? It's not perfect. So it's just like, life isn't perfect, right? Um, but you're in control of your life. And that's what's exciting to me. Um, but to your point, Harris, like at the beginning, especially at the beginning, I always thought everything I put out was gold, right? Because it, or if I didn't, I wouldn't have put it <laughs> yeah. out, right? Um, but it's not. Like, there's so much to learn. Like, I didn't know what copywriting was. I had no idea. Um I didn't know how to build an audience, right? I didn't have a, a distrib like I didn't know how to distribute my content. Um, and so I, I always say great con the ability to build an audience is two things. It's great content, great distribution. Um, distribution is a lot easier 
because in the, it's easier be, in the sense that you know what you don't know. Like if I have two friends on Twitter, I know my distribution is not good. There's no question. If I have 50 friends on Twitter, I know it's good. The great content part is the hardest part because every person thinks they have good content, right? Um, and then the next day you learn something and then you look back at your content and was like, wow, that was actually terrible. Yeah. And so that's the hardest part to me because you don't know what you don't know. And, and I remember you, Brian, saying one time, I think it was on the podcast where you and I were chatting about something and you said, man, I woke up one day, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to write. And I pulled something from an old thread and that tweet ended up doing better than like 90% of the stuff that I posted prior to that. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes there, you just don't, things that you think would go really well, just don't yeah. or, And things that you have, didn't even plan on right. do really well. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, after Labor Day, the, the algorithm changed. And so now we're dealing with a whole new Twitter algorithm, right? It's, it's a new, new rules. So we're still trying to figure out, like I have theories and all that kind of stuff, but we're trying to figure out like, okay, we knew what content worked well in the old algorithm, we don't know what, what, what content is working out today. Right, right, exactly. I always say it's the, it's the good content, it's the right person at the right time, um, and, and it's, the, and it's the, the person that ends up going through and actually reading and commenting on it and has that distribution, like you said, whether they have like a 20, 30, 50,000 uh, person following and they really click and they're like, this is worth sharing with my audience that's when those things you're just like oh shit this just hit and i didn't even have any expectations i remember my biggest thread to, to date was something i woke up on saturday and i was like looking through uh my upwork uh uh channel and i was like and i was like man there's so much here and i just literally sat there wrote out the whole thing i sent it and i went off to uh that night i went off to uh, have dinner with my girlfriend and literally put my phone and just went bing, bing, bing. Like, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I thought my mom or somebody was trying to get a hold of me. And I look up and it's just like, <laughs> you know, when you just see the thing just going through. And then I was like, dude, I need to silence this. I came home and it was like 700 likes. And I was like, what the fuck happened here? Like, I'm trying to go back and see like who retweeted. And so I had no idea. I was just like, man, I'm just trying to share with people how I ran my Upwork thing. And I just put a couple screenshots and whatever else. And it was amazing. So yeah, it's sometimes you think like the best shit that you spend, you know, weeks on end to try to put together and you sit there and you're just like, wait, six likes, eight likes. Why? What did I do wrong? You start to question everything you've been doing up to that point. But no, that's awesome. And, I, and, and to be, uh, to take the time to just say, I, I actually, uh, learned a ton from both of you just because not only the consistency part, but I also think like the the niching down, I, I'm kind of at this point now where I'm getting ready to move into more uh, product side of things and really going deeper and deeper into that level because now I'm balancing a couple of different things with service and all this. And just even looking at the content you guys are doing and the consistency and the and the depth, I think the depth of the content is what really, really hits differently. So I just want to give you guys your your uh, flowers because it's been awesome, awesome seeing you guys uh, growing and connecting with you guys. So I just want to take the take a quick uh, second to to let you guys know that it's been fucking killer to watch you guys grow and, and post some amazing stuff. Thank, appreciate thank that. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. Absolutely. Right back. Right back at you. And I also think that there's a there's a market for Brian to create a niching down course yeah. <laughs> uh, for a lot of people out there. I, I think it's like something I feel like that, the, that most people struggle with and it's really hard to do. Um, but Brian is, is really good at that and holding people accountable to that as well. 
Yeah. Every time you would post something, I would just take a screenshot of it, send it to you with WTF. Like- <laughs> you got you to make that a business. That's a, that's a business. You create someone out there is going to make that into a, uh, some type of website where you can that's do that. That's the name so. of the course. What the fuck content? <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it, man. No. Uh, so, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, juggling side hustles and different things you guys see out there. Maybe it's opportunities or things that you guys feel like a lot of people haven't tapped into. Is there anything, Brian, cause I know you brought this up before we started recording. Is there anything you're seeing out there? You're like, man, somebody needs to, you know, whether it's tap into this market or, Here's how you kind of balance, you know, if you have a nine to five job and you want to start not only building an audience, because I think a lot of people, I think what it is, I think we touched on a little bit. People are just afraid to they're afraid to fail from a perspective of, hey, nobody's reading my stuff, but they don't understand. I think I was in this place as well, and I'm sure maybe you guys were, too is you just got to keep hammering down, hammering down, hammering down. And then when you find that piece that works, then you just go one level deeper and then you keep hammering that away. And then you figure out what the next branch off of that is. And I think people are afraid of that very first step of saying, you know what, this was my experience. I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe connects with the person and maybe it doesn't, but man, this is the truth. And I know I can stand by this. I can look at it tomorrow and be like, yep, that still happened. So I just want to know what you guys are seeing out there where people are, I don't know whether they're going too wide or somebody that has a job that you're like, man, there's so many easy, easier ways to say, hey, you know, create a course, create a product, create something along those lines. And just to clarify the question, so I'm hearing either um, there's, there's creators who are afraid to create, right? Take that first step right. and, and maybe people don't like the content. And then there's there's a lot of creators I've spoken to, and, and this may be an interesting topic because we've both, right. Harris and I have both gone through it, is creators who are afraid to take the leap to do it full time, right? Like what's the difference? Like at what point, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are in their nine to five. They're not loving it, but they're there because it's stable, yep. right? And uh, the, the creator life is exciting, but it's not stable. And so how do you A, create stability and B, uh, get comfortable enough that, that you have the skill set and that you can, can generate the income um, so that you become stable exactly. to do while you do what you love. And that, that to me is a, is a topic that I don't think is talked about that often. It's, it's not. And I think also it, some people I think get kind of confused on, so how do I build up my audience on Twitter, on LinkedIn, for me to be able to say, I'm going to put this product together. Now I can go on and hammer about this topic um, and and create some sort of business around it where it generates me maybe a couple grand a month. And then I can still keep my job and still keep doing this thing until, you know, this side hustle sort of overlaps and takes over my income that I'm making in my business. I think that's the other piece of it is like, how do you go about building that audience while you're at a nine to five job? I feel like it's like a tough push and pull. It's like, should you start building an audience before you actually have something? Or like, do you need to have something to take your time building the audience? Both of those can be true. I don't know. It's it's like a really interesting, like I actually think trying to build an audience and working to build an audience before you actually have something to sell is like really, really valuable. Like I, I think it makes it less, quote, scary for you. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I might get bored because this is like, level B like option B and yeah, I got other stuff that's going to, so it's a really interesting like push and pull of whether that's a good or a bad thing. I'd be curious for your guys perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, 
So I think it's a new way of entrepreneurship. It is. And by that, I mean, if you look at the, I hate calling it old way because it's still new, but like you've got, um, before I, I did Twitter, I, I did a, a FinTech, I built a FinTech out. And so what the traditional way is like, Hey, I know this pain. I know a customer who has a pain and I've got this solution. Right. And then you, you bring an MVP, bring it to market, test, Hey, does the customer want that solution? Right. Harrison and I are talking about this totally new wave of entrepreneurship that's different where we say, okay, instead of, of finding a pain, finding a solution, and then taking the market risk that the market wants it, right? There's, there's market risk. Does the market want it? And execution risk, can you do it right? We're essentially eliminating the market risk and just taking on the execution risk. Like, are you doing it right? And here's why. Because what we're doing is um, building an audience around a topic that you care about. Right. And, and, and that's important. We will, we can talk about niching down, but that's, um, let's say you take three or four topics that you're interested in, find creator content fit, right? Which, which topic are you most interested, passionate about, excited about? Take that topic, build an audience around it by putting content out, distributing it, mm-hmm. put an audience around it while you're building that audience. Then you start to just pay attention to the different data points you hear out, right? You might tweet about one pain and everyone reacts to it. Right. And where you tweet about another one there where people don't. And so, okay, that's interesting. That tweet got a lot of attention. Let's turn it into a thread. Oh, that thread got a lot of attention. Interesting. Let's take the thread and put it into a newsletter. Right. And at the bottom, have a little call to action. It says, okay, respond with your pain points. Right. Oh, wow. I got four responses. People must be really passionate about it. And so this step, like a tweet is like a micro, micro, micro. Mm-hmm. A thread is a little bit bigger. A newsletter is a little bit bigger. And then a newsletter turns into an ebook on Gumroad, right? Oh, wow. Like sales crushed on ebook. Now it's taken to a course. I love right? that. I love how you broke that down, uh, by the way. That's fucking perfect. Well, it's amazing because it's almost foolproof, right? Because if any step in that chain breaks, right? Let's say at the thread, the thread doesn't take off. You go, okay, great. Let's just write another bunch of tweets and try it again at essentially no effort, no cost. Yeah. No, I, I, that, that's amazing. I love that. Uh, you broke down the tweet into the micro MVP and then break, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, one thing I feel, I feel like people at a, at a, you know, a nine to five need to also realize like you've already got the income piece kind of taken care of. You're not like hungry for money right away. So while you're making money at work, build an audience and talk about that thing. You can, like I always say, when I talk to my friends that are non business people and I'm talking to them about, hey, check out this idea or what do you think about this? What do you think? It's just like a blank wall. And I'm like, ah, that's the that's the wrong people to talk to about this. Right. But when you take that topic and you say, uh uh-huh, there is people out here in this Twitter world, LinkedIn world that actually care about this. Now, let me start talking about it because I could talk about it all day long and I don't get tired of it. And if somebody gets tired of it, they just unfollow me. And that's cool, too. But at the same time, when you get to that point where people start listening and start responding and be like, how did you do this? How did you do that? Then you're like, oh, shit. Now I can build around that. I'm pa- I can, like I said, I could talk about it all day long. And then you start putting, like you said, putting that product together. So I feel like people who have a job actually kind of have an advantage other than the person who's been, you know, doing entrepreneurship, had a failed company. Now they need the money. Now they put out a product. Nobody's listening. Nobody's buying. Nobody's doing anything. Now they're trying to build the audience. They're almost like reverse passion building when you just like you don't feel good about it anymore. And I think that's where a lot of people feel them demotivated after a period of time. So I feel like if you are in that nine to five, if somebody's listening is that nine to five, 
start hammering away at something you're excited about, whatever that is. Maybe it's, you know, like you did onboarding. And I mean, I would have never thought about that, but holy shit, it's a big market because every single company out there, especially in the work from home situation, really needs to dial in on that because the experience of somebody coming in and, you know, starting their work and not knowing where to turn and who to talk to and, you know, what the expectations of the job are. That's a huge thing where people, somebody just cast off from 10 extra grand a year and they're going to go to the next place and hopefully they'll give them a better experience. Right, right. And I, I think that's a really good point around like building it while you're doing your nine to five. So the worst salesperson is the desperate salesperson. Exactly. Exactly. Getting your money from a different perspective, then you're just going to be so much less desperate. And I think that part is like so huge. So like having savings that you put away if you go full time or having a, a, a nine to five while you do like being it. So you're not like, please buy my thing. I'll do anything. Mm-hmm. Please buy. It. It's like nobody's going to ever buy from that person. Being able to be in confidence. Like if you don't want it. Yeah. Cool. But like if you want it, here it is. I know it provides a lot of value. Like that gives you such a leg up from a sales perspective, in my opinion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people have an advantage in nine to five in the sense that it takes time to build an audience. Um, like when you write a thread, you can't just pump out four threads a day. You you essentially need to give it time to breathe. Uh, you need time to meet people to build distribution. Like and uh, money to me is time. Uh, some other things, but um, it, it buys me time. It's runway that I have um, essentially until I need to sell the next product. And so to, to Harris's point, if I have money, that means I'm not desperate. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I love that. I think I would, I want to hammer that home that it, that it takes time because Brian has built it about as quickly as I, as I've ever seen. And it, it took waking up at 5am mm-hmm. and working till 11pm every single night for, for months on end. Yeah. So I think that is like such a really important aspect to hammer home. Like, you have to play the long game with building an audience. If you're trying to do it quick, it's just not going to work. I, I haven't seen anybody do it much quicker than, than Brian. And like what it took was 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. Uh, so I think that's really important to hammer home. Yeah. And also there are ways to do it quickly, right? But when you do that, you, you tend to give up value. Mm-hmm. Not always, but sometimes. And so, uh, for example, like I could do, I, tomorrow I could do a, a 10 Chrome extension thread. Um, and, and the question is, does that get me a hundred thousand followers, um, that, that I want specifically for, to sell my product, right? It depends what game you're playing. Yeah. Cause there's a ton of different games that are going on and everyone's playing a different game. That's the interesting part. Um, and so the, if that aligns with the game I'm playing, say like for Z, actually, if you, yeah. if you want to get some fascinating guests on your podcast, you need social proof. Exactly. And social proof you could get through rapid uh, rapid follower account, which you could get through a 10 Chrome extension thread. And that would make sense given your game. Right, right. right. But for Harris and I, where we're trying to sell products specific to our niche, that doesn't work. Though Those rules don't, don't work in our game. And so um, we need to essentially have a different type of content because the content is essentially the hook that gets the, the specific person in. The type of person we want to get is the people who will buy our product. Um, whereas I'm putting words in your mouth, Z, but if the type of person you want to hook may be a podcast guest, yep. you're going to use a different hook and different type of content to attract a different person than I would. Exactly. And so you may be able to benefit from um, hooks that have a more rapid 
follower growth. And, and I think, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, uh, we're all on the same platform saying playing a different game is, is absolutely the, the right way of doing it. Um, or saying it, I should say, but, um, I was going to say, what, it, uh, tell me, uh, on, on the days where you woke up at 5am and you're like, fuck man, I really don't want to write another fucking thread today. Or I don't want to, you know, I'm not ready for it. Like, did you have a lot of stuff that you just like, queued up over let's say the weekend or whatever or was it hey wake up you know sort of spruce things up and send like how what was your schedule like i'd love to know how you because you like i said your stuff had a lot of depth like every time i wrote it i'm like damn he's going into the nitty gritty like i feel like you have a whole screen for you know financial data from a company and like i i just like <laughs> vision visually like i imagine like the person with like 15 monitors just looking at like different like <laughs> stats and stuff like that uh, I just showed Harris. You're not wrong. I have a, a screen that wraps around my head. Yeah, um, the world's biggest screen. It's the world's biggest screen. <laughs> the 80 inch fucking plasma computer screen. <laughs> Absolutely massive. Um, so it's the two comments there yeah. actually. Um, in terms of the the content I write, um, I'm really inspired by creators like Sean Puri, for example, who is able to write a thread. Uh, like I love his th his thread on Clubhouse. Yeah. Right. Why Why is Clubhouse dying? And it was if you read the first seventy five percent of it, it was super entertaining. You're hooked into it. It's just a great story. And then at the end, it's it's like here are the reasons, and they're really deep and insightful and thought provoking. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm really engaged in what he's writing, and this guy's a really smart guy. And that's kind of the content I want. I want to create content that Z makes you read it and go damn, Brian's smart, but also you're reading, you're like, I'm having a good time reading it. Like I'm hooked. I can't stop reading it. I learned something good at the end. Yep. Um, that's the kind of a creator I want to be. Anyway, kind of side tangent. Um, so you asked, Hey, how are you able to pump out on the so days where you just have no, yeah, no, no creative juices. Yep. And, and what is your, I guess a, a little bit of insight and, and Harris, please share yours after this as well. Like how you guys, sure. you know, queue up your content and what's your what's your game plan basically when you're doing all this, I guess is my real question. Yeah. Um, so I had a great conversation um, that kind of changed my perspective on on how I view work. And it's I don't fight it anymore. If I don't want to do something, I don't actually. But I always want to do something that's work related. And what I mean by that is hey, this is a podcast. This is work-related, yeah. right? And that takes a very different type of, of zone and mentality than uh, analyzing Clubhouse, right? And so I'm always in some kind of mood that will make me a better person. And so is that uh, reading books on, on strategy or copywriting? Is that listening to podcasts? Is that um, just researching on the web to find the next topic? Is it writing about that topic? Is it networking with, with other creators? There's always something that I can do that matches my mood and my energy. Um, and so I, I, I create my schedule for the day based on roughly what I think my energy is going to be. And, and I know it's typically in the mornings, I'm more analytical in the afternoons. I'm more, I am better able to do say like copy work or um, like networking. And then at night I'll, I'll read study and, and kind of find and, and curate uh, different potential topics. So Long story short, I, I work with my energy uh, to pump out the best work. I love it. I love it. And how about you, Harris? Are you are you kind of the same way yeah. or do you have a different? 
I'd agree with a lot of the things that that Brian said. I think like figuring out when you get your most energy. Like I actually do a lot of my writing in the morning because I think that's when I'm my freshest. But like there are some mornings where I wake up, I'm like, I, I don't necessarily have something. Like I, I've tried the like notion template and spend five hours right and it just did not work right. for me and like of course and that's what they said you should do and i'm like okay and then i was like this just does not work for me so like i'm as basic as it comes with how i, write. I literally have like something on my phone that is notes and anything that i think is like a good tweet or a good thread idea whenever that comes into my head i'm just like quickly making a note of it and if it's a thread i'll be like okay here are the top ways to pre-board employees and then it's five different so like, that's essentially how I'm doing it. And then it's like, okay, I go later on in the morning when I'm a little bit fresher to write it out. But I tried like the whole big notion documents and, and it just did not work for me. So I think it's really important that like, whatever works for you as a creator is like your way to do it. There's best practices. Yeah. yeah. But like, if that's not going to work for you and you're not going to want to go into notion and change it, don't do that. I think that that's like such an important thing. It took me a really long time to realize like, shit, I'm doing something wrong because I don't have this massive notion document. It's like, no, whatever works for you, just freaking do it and just keep being consistent. I think that's like a really important aspect is just show up every single day. Cause like people will notice and like yeah. the algorithm will notice and like you start to build more and Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Don't make it feel like a job. Like you have to go to that one thing to do whatever. It's like, yeah, if it's on your phone and doing it, I just saw somebody post something about like their, their notes set up on their iPhone. And I was like, holy shit, that is the most organized note setup that I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy. So yeah, different things work for, for different people. For me, like Notion is just, I used to be a Rome guy where I connect all these different things and start like thinking about ideas differently. And then I moved over to Notion and it's just like now become, there's like a work layer and there's a brain dump layer and then there's like the more, more organized layer. So I have like these three compartments that I kind of go into and then I sort of hash things out and write all my newsletters and everything in there as well. So yeah, man, I, I love that. I love that people have different ways of doing it and and kind of structuring their their day differently. Do you guys, you were you guys, uh, Ryan, I know, uh, Brian, I know you took uh, ship 30, but uh, Harris, did you, were you a writer before this? Did you start writing early on? Like what was your kind of gateway into the whole copywriting and threat or Twitter and, and LinkedIn and all this other stuff. Yeah, I was definitely not a writer. <laughs> I took I'm definitely, definitely not a writer. And I still don't even think I classify myself right. as a writer. I just like I like the format of Twitter and LinkedIn, honestly, yeah. from a writing perspective. I took Sahil Bloom's course in January with the idea of like, I want to become better at marketing, whether it's like the company that I'm at like essentially that was the idea around it. it was like i like what sahil bloom is sharing i think he's posting really good stuff and then i started to like post and engage and i'm like holy crap there are some awesome people on here that never would have spoke with me and before and now that i'm posting and engaging with their stuff like they really want to get on the phone with me like this is really cool and then that spun more and more but like i did not get take that course with the idea of like i'm going to build a personal audience and like left that course and all the different conversations with people like UZ and you, Brian, and countless others, like, whoa, like the people that I can get access to just by posting every yeah. day is like a big reason why I like being on this, on these platforms. Absolutely. And then, uh, Brian, do you do a lot of long form writing as well outside of your newsletter? Or are you just kind of like, do you do like these like daily brain dumps or anything where you just kind of, you know, get your, get your, I call it decongesting my brain because that's what I like doing. I literally sit there and just <laughs> ramble on a piece of paper. And then that's why I like pull out, you know, 
whether it's one topic or, you know, a whole newsletter. Sometimes I'll sit there and be like, so I just wrote three newsletters for the next like three weeks, basically type of thing. So do you guys do any, do you guys do any of that stuff or do you guys just kind of go day by day? I, I don't, I'm more of a day by day kind of guy. Um, I love whenever I'm, I'm focused and working in and I lose focus, um, I'll go on a long walk um, and with a notepad. So I have a pocket notepad and I'll, I'll write my ideas out. But um but yeah, not not like a brain dump. Yeah, I, I can't brain dump either. I'm a day by day. It's like I don't know if I have enough good ideas at a certain time to be able to last that long. So I gotta just day by day be keeping up my notebook. Yeah, that's one thing I attribute to Ship Thirty, man. Like I, the whole long form writing thing was just like a, such a big unlock for me because I felt like all these years I had like the most imposter syndrome of just putting my thoughts on a piece of paper, even if nobody saw them. It was just you know putting them on a piece of paper and realizing like well, these are my thoughts type of thing. And then all of a sudden when I started writing, I was like, man, this actually feels really good. It's like getting shit out of my brain. So, um, but no, that's, that's awesome to hear that you guys are just, you know, kind of going with the, uh, with the, with the flow on a day-to-day basis. Now, where are you guys getting a lot, a lot of your, let's call it leads or, you know, I guess where's more of the signals coming from? Is it from the LinkedIn side or is it from the Twitter side at the moment? When you say leads, are you talking about idea generation for topics or people, uh, followers, uh, and newsletter subs? Fo- yeah, followers, newsletter subs, and you know, products that you're that you're selling and stuff like that. Yeah, for me, it's it's LinkedIn, um, and so uh, it, newsletter subs are are by far my focus right now. Yeah. Um, and so I have five channels that I use to to plug um, to get people into my newsletter. Um, so Twitter. LinkedIn, I'm a personal account, and then LinkedIn, I have a uh, business account for my newsletter. Okay. Um, also, I have I, I use Beehive for my newsletter, okay. and there's a recommendation program where um, other peers with newsletters recommend me. So when you sign up for when you sign up for Barrett O'Neill's newsletter, you say, "Hey, you sign up for Barrett's, you probably like Brian's too." And so one third of the people who sign up for his newsletter also sign up for mine through that program. Um. And then the last one is a referral program. So I have a bunch of Gumroad products up. And if you refer friends, uh, you get access to my products for free. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. And how about, uh, and Harris, are you, uh, are you doing a newsletter at the moment or no? I'm starting to gather names and emails. Brian has been pushing me in a good way that way. As far as like a time perspective, I got, I got no more to give. Um, so I've just been continuing to push and, and build on LinkedIn and Twitter. I would say, um, more better leads, if you will, from LinkedIn for sure. What I do, and this has actually helped me stay consistent with it, is like I post a week on Twitter and then have different threads and those threads usually become posts on LinkedIn. So like the idea around creating content for both was was exhausting to me and I did it for a little bit. I'm like, I have to figure out a way to combine these two and that's helped me do that. But I tend to get better engagement from LinkedIn. I will say if you that is true until you have a cool uh, product to, to put out there. And then a lot of people seem interested in that. So, so Twitter has been bumping back a little bit, but um, more yeah. so fo- focused on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would say an average, so I would tip my typical flow, I'll start with a newsletter, make the newsletter out. Then that newsletter, I turn into a thread, take the main points of the newsletter, it becomes a Twitter thread. 24 hours later, that thread gets posted as a carousel on LinkedIn. Um, now I alluded to the, the algorithm. It used to be pretty even between Twitter and LinkedIn. 
um, the Twitter algorithm since Labor Day has slowed down for us drastically. Um, so a post will probably get me every carousel, every thread is probably about roughly a hundred followers, let's say. Um, and then every carousel is like four to 600 followers. Wow. Um, a post. So yeah, it, it's on LinkedIn. It's a much, it's a much faster growth. Uh, one of my first posts got me 3000 followers. Damn. It's, it's like really, it's an open really playing fast, uh, growth over there. open playing field over there right now. I feel like on, on LinkedIn, I feel like there's so much opportunity with audience building there. It's interesting because LinkedIn is star for creators. Um, and so, um, there's not a lot of creators because on LinkedIn, if you post something, your boss is looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a professional. It's a, yeah. it's a social version of your workplace, right? Uh, on Twitter, that's not the case. It's more personal. So, um, the people who are doing well best on LinkedIn are really coming from Twitter. Um, and I, I think that's for a few reasons. So on, on Twitter, we have a character limit that doesn't exist on LinkedIn, right? right? Which means we have to be punchier. And we have to deliver that same power and punch in a shorter amount of characters. And so I think on a word per word basis, we pack a bigger punch. Yeah. Um, and so if our, our, we're, we're forced to learn our hooks, we're forced to pack a bigger punch. Um, and then also on the Twitter side, uh, it's hard to stand out. And so we've really kind of not mastered, but we've figured out the science of audience building. Um, on LinkedIn, it, it's still newer for creators. And so we're taking the rules that worked on, on Twitter and bringing them to LinkedIn. And it's working really well. Um, a lot of the, my peers that I'm seeing, uh, Harris is, is one of them, uh, are growing really quickly on, on LinkedIn. Um, so it's a, it's a great platform to be on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I remember uh, there was one post uh, that you guys, I think, Brian, you were like probably one of the first people to to either like it or comment something on it or whatever it was. It was like the one of my no code um, uh, oh, yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. And man, that shit just went through the through the roof. And I think that one alone got me like 1300 followers in like two days or something crazy. Oh. So yeah, it's it's just I, I it's like uh, LinkedIn, the way they redistribute the content on like a weekly basis, like the minute that you follow somebody, I recognize this very early on the minute that you click follow on somebody and you refresh your feed, you literally get like three pieces of their content right then and there. And they're just like, engage, engage, engage. And then you start getting all those likes and those clicks. So uh, no, it's pretty crazy, man. And did you, uh, Brian, did you start posting heavily on on LinkedIn uh, before you you left your uh, job or was it more so like towards the end? Um, be, you know, uh, was it something that you focused on while you were still at Deloitte or was it something that you were just kind of like, eh, I don't want to do too much there just because it's work related? So um, I, I decided to do it while I was still working. Um, and the reason I did it was what I'll call like a power arbitrage essentially. And by that, I mean on, on Twitter, uh, I have 20,000 on Twitter um, and there's accounts with 100,000 plus that I don't typically get to not get to, but I don't, they don't boost my content. Right. Right. Um, I'm, I looked at LinkedIn and I saw a lot of those big accounts had small numbers. And I'm my, my follower account was much closer to them on LinkedIn. And so I, a light bulb went off and I thought, well, they're starting to grow in about a month or two. They'll probably be too big for me to, to jump in and be that part of that group. I want in on that group. Um, and so I kind of blitzed early to say, Hey, 
at on this platform, we're a lot closer in follower account. So it makes sense for me to hang out with you guys. Like let's like boost me too. And so now you can grow along with them. Um, whereas on, on, on Twitter, that wasn't the case. Right. And so now because of those relationships, um, it, the relationships go across platform. So it's fascinating because I'll see a lot of, um, people like 200,000 followers on Twitter and then have 500 on LinkedIn. And now with a slower, uh, Twitter algorithm, I'm seeing a mass migration of Twitter folks trying to get some build an audience now on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's a big wave. Um, and so a lot of those huge accounts on Twitter are coming to LinkedIn and asking for your help. Whereas you weren't a blip on the radar on Twitter. Right. You know, right. so it's a cool, I'm exaggerating it slightly, but like yeah. it's a cool, uh, dynamic and I don't want to lose that opportunity. So I jumped early. I think, I think we just lost Harris. <laughs> <laughs> uh no that's that's crazy yeah man i noticed that too and i think uh i have i think i i credit a lot of that to also people um just like justin welsh for example i think he started off on linkedin if i'm not mistaken and then he came over to twitter and he really kind of opened people's eyes to just like hey guys like there's some shit going on over here on linkedin here let me let him in real quick um there he is there he is <laughs> no it's all good you Welcome like back. froze for a little while and i was like what's going on and uh but yeah you're good you can you hear us okay awesome awesome no you're good you're good um no that's that's really awesome and how about you harris did you start posting when you were still at your old job were you posting on linkedin actively or were you just kind of you know focusing on the twitter side of things yeah i've been i've been pretty heavy on linkedin like even well well before twitter um uh, i just felt like I don't know. I, I always enjoyed LinkedIn because I love learning about people and what they were doing work-wise. And it was just like really appealing and interesting to me. Well, another thing I will say that I like more about LinkedIn is like there are trolls on Twitter and there really are not on LinkedIn. Yeah. People are yeah. not going to be assholes uh, on LinkedIn. That just really doesn't happen very often on Twitter. Like there's a good amount of that still. Less than I think publicly gets talked about. I think there's like a misconception that everybody is an asshole and most people are not. But on LinkedIn, you really don't even get that at all. Yeah, because everyone's boss is looking over their shoulder and be like, don't be a dick to people, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that's crazy. But um, uh, anything else that you guys, uh, Brian or, or Harris, do you guys want to, any other topics or anything you guys want to touch on um, in terms of, you know, the, the side hustles or building an audience or absolutely anything you guys want to talk about. I'm, I'm open game. I know that we, uh, we touched on a lot and, uh, you know, we still, we can go for as long as you guys want. The only final thing I'd add is, is just like most people, as long as you're not scripted and your outreach are like willing to connect and help you okay. engage, like it's pretty amazing. Like don't say the same thing to a hundred people cause then they'll ignore you. But like for the most part, if you're like, Hey Z, I really like this post because of X, Y, and Z, you just keep doing that and doing that. Like Z's going to go have a conversation with you. Like yeah. that's what it takes and it takes work. But like, if you do that, most people are willing to engage and have conversation. I think that's a really cool aspect of it. Again, it takes work. It takes time. It takes being intentional, but like it's called social media for a reason. Like most people are pretty willing to engage, which has been like really fun and cool to figure out like the people I've met have been the best part of engaging times a thousand, um, really times a thousand. And so it's just something I would encourage people to, to do is to engage and then reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything from your end, Brian, anything you want to add, anything you want to chat about? Um, main thing that jumps out to me 
So uh, Harris gave me the idea on uh, niching down university, right? Um, I love it. And it's funny. It's funny because I don't know how to say the word niching, niching, whatever. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the high level thoughts on it real quick. Because I do think that it's it's probably the biggest problem that new creators have, mm-hmm. right? It is. is that it, when I talk to folks, it's I don't know what my topic is, and they're too broad. And what happens when you're too broad, right? Is let's say you have an audience of ten thousand people, right? And you talk about uh, five topics, right? You don't really have, and you go to put out a, a new a new thread. Yeah. You're only going to have 2,000 people supporting you right? and supporting that thread because your audience is fragmented five ways. Yep. Right? So I do believe that niche, not niching down is one of the, um, the biggest factors slowing people's growth. Um, and so I think the, the common fears there are um, that they don't know if they can talk about it forever, right? They don't know if they have enough to talk about. Um, That's a big they, one, they, they by the way. That's a big one, by the way. That's a really big one. Yeah. Um, and also that they don't know if there's an audience out there for them. Right. And so, okay, let's start with the second one. There's what, 300, 600 million people yeah. on Twitter? Yeah. Um, if your audience, if your audience is not reacting well to the topic you want to talk about, it's because you talked earlier about different topics. Like you, the, the people are out there. And they will find your content once you start posting about it. So I wouldn't even worry about um, a sea of people finding your content, right? And even if if you have a thousand followers and they, they don't resonate with your content, you'll create new followers when you start talking about that content. That's fine. Worry two on um, worry two around like, hey, can you talk about it forever? The answer is when you get bigger, the bigger you get, the broader you can get. Excellent. You just have to niche down at the beginning. Um, and if you put a stake in the ground somewhere and you don't like it, you can pick up and put a stake somewhere else. But the fact that you're not putting a stake in the ground at all is what's damaging your ability to get traction. So long story short, pick a niche based on what you as a creator are most energized about, right? Because it's, 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 you have to be in it for a long run, put a stake in the ground because you can move that stake later, but put a stake in the ground. Um, and, and the people will come. You don't worry about that. There are what's 300, 600 million yeah. people on Twitter. They will find your content. There will be people. Exactly. And I always, uh, I love that you, uh, that you explained that. And I always say, it's like, you might have to write for two, three, five, six months before you get some traction. But the good thing about it is, is that when you build up that content library and somebody finds you for that one tweet, or that one thread or whatever that is, and they go back and be like, wait a minute, let me see what Brian's been talking about before this. Was this just one of these one-off tweets that just got a lot of steam? And then they go back and they're like, damn, Brian's been talking about this for six months at this point. That content library is what gets them to stick around and follow you and really start to dial in into your content and then any product that that you're putting out there. So I think people have a very big, uh, they have, they're scared in a sense of, hey, there's not enough people, but those people will, like you said, they're they're going to come and find you one way or another, whether it's looking for some piece of information, whether it's searching on Twitter, whatever that might be. When you have that big library built up on the back uh, on the back end, 
and they find you, they're going to be like, damn, this guy's the real fucking deal because he hasn't, didn't start talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Well, one thing I will add to that and kind of contrary to what I said a second ago is, um, if it's taking you, I, I think it, it's a relatively quick process. If it's taking you six to eight months, you're either not improving your content right. or you haven't been building your distribution. And so uh, the, the one thing I do want to add is that you do have to hunt for your distribution, right? Like I said, people will find you. They don't just magically right, find you. Right, right, right. Um, if you, once you have your niche, what I did at least was I, I figured out my niche and then went on the, um, went on the Readwise list of, of top threads, top 200 leader, sorry, the top 200 thread creators and looked through them and said, hey, who of them are in my niche? Right. Right. So who are the big fish that have, hundreds of thousands of followers or 50,000 followers, whatever it is in my niche. Cause I need to get to know them and they need to know who, what my work, what I'm all about. Because once they start distributing my content, all of their followers will see it. That's where I start to get the traction. And if I'm improving on the, on the content, writing great content, then it, then it just grows quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the distribution and the, and the engagement and creating that, you know, you're you're basically uh curating your feed to constantly be able to log into twitter and be like oh i can engage with that i can engage with that i can bring value because now people i i heard somebody say the other day make make your comments on other people's threads and tweets like it's your own tweet almost so that you actually bring an additional piece of value instead of just saying hey thumbs up great job dude or whatever it is it's like yeah you'll have a few of those but if it's something that really sticks and you're like damn that resonates give them a little bit of that extra or even just regurgitate in a different way maybe break it down a little bit more simply what the person said and say oh yeah this is what i this is how i read it or this is what i think yeah i agree because when i talk to newer creators who are in my niche specifically uh the advice i give is hey if you're in my niche uh, heads up, the people who are commenting on my threads are also in my niche. Yeah. So I almost like to suggest that you look at bigger accounts. So let's take mine, for example. And I have 20 to 30 friends who are in my niche all commenting on that post. They'll see your work. And so treat my thread almost like it's a forum, Yeah. right? A place to hang out. The people who are interested in my content are going to hang out here. And so if you can bring some to the table, bring some of the conversation and make that in my thread, I'm going to love it because it's going to give me more distribution. So I'll be paying attention, yep. but also all everyone commenting will see it. And so it's just a place that people interested in a topic will hang out Absolutely. So treat a bigger account. Like it's a forum. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what are, who are some of the, uh, uh, this is a question obviously for both of you, but who are some of the people that you guys have met through Twitter, um, that you guys not only maybe even connected in real life with them, but more so just been like really, hey man, this person is somebody that I've been just like learning from and that I'm constantly, whether you're engaging with them or, you know, somebody that you really found like, damn, this is like kind of like my, my, my person on Twitter that I can go to their feed every single day and I always get some sort of value or whatever that might be. Do you guys have, you know, a few people in that, in that space where you feel like they just really contribute not to your, not only to your thinking process or ideating or whatever it is, but you just kind of go in there and almost treat it like a daily newsletter where you go to the feed and just kind of read through all their stuff. 
It's a, uh, mm. it's, a, it's a good, it's a loaded question because there's like almost too, too many to name in a way. I'll, <laughs> kind of, I'll piggyback off Brian's uh, answer before and say like somebody in my niche that I respect that I think is doing a really good job, uh, Dave Klein. So every he's got probably around 100,000 followers on uh, Twitter. Every time he posts, I'm like, this is going to be really good. It's all in that HR talent management space. And so I'm constantly learning from him. And I have gotten to know him just by being in his comments and getting to and just engaging early and often. Uh, so he's somebody who I'm learning from a ton. And, and I like the fact that he's similar niche in the HR people side of business. Uh, he'd be my go-to for that. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, how about you? Anybody in your space that you really dial in on like almost on a daily basis where you just just thoroughly enjoy their content and you can always find some serious value or is there just too many to name at this point so surprisingly there's not a lot of people in my niche um and by that i mean in my hyper specific mm -hmm. niche and by that i mean strategy um when you look at most um i'm going to help you grow your business accounts they're all growth tactics right like hey use this like like um barrett o'neill for example um, he is, he's a growth tactic guy. I'm a growth strategy guy. So he's like, how do you improve your SEO? Um, for me, it's like, Hey, how do you think about positioning your business? So competitors can't come in and, and, and steal your customers. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a different, different, uh, approach there. So the only other person I've been able to find on that is, uh, Shreyas Doshi. Um, he's been big, he's a big, uh, he's got 200,000 followers, um, and does a lot of product strategy. Okay, cool. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, um, guys, I, this has been this has been a pleasure, and uh, I, I love the conversation. I think uh, I, I get to learn a lot from you guys in terms of how you guys are approaching everything, and uh, actually really inspired by you know just simply. I mean, Brian, you taking off from uh, you know probably somebody's dream job at some point being working at like a big company and going off into your own and doing your thing and Harris just simply man just uh you know building your own business on the side and 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 uh you know hammering down the the onboarding thing like i said it always uh i always love seeing these kind of you know um sort of these ancillary little pieces of like the business side of things whether it's like management or hr side of things the stuff that i I, I don't think about too much because I'm just like, I, I, I do the different thing, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's awesome to see this and truly inspired in the content. Like I said earlier, you guys have just been, you know, shelling out a lot of amazing stuff. So I just uh, want to make sure you guys, you guys know that, man. That, thank you. And uh, shout out to Yuzi. You're one of the most genuine, nicest dudes I've ever met. I mean, like every Saturday, <laughs> just, just absurdly nice and just an unbelievably good guy. So if anybody, they should be following you already, but if they're not, it should I be following you and Brian. Uh, and I'm grateful to be connected to both of you. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the long path, man. I I, I love the I love seeing the fast growth. I love rooting for people, but um, man, I'm just. Uh, I got a lot going on, man, but I'm here for the long game. I'm here for like writing has unlocked so much for me that I'm like, man, I haven't even scratched the fucking surface type of thing. So, um, yeah, man, again, learning from other people has been my go to thing, especially on Twitter and LinkedIn and all these places and just reading a lot of great newsletters. Brian, I read your shit all the time, man. And uh, I just love, like I said, the depth of stuff that you put in there and uh, the amount of research you do. I mean, that's something that it's very hard for me to fathom, like how much time because I again, Got a, I got a different table of things going on, but the fact that you take so much time and you're so focused, man, like 
you know, props to you, my man. Props to you. Appreciate that. I've a uh, couldn't do it without my team. You know, yeah. I've got people like Harry supporting me, um, and I got buddies who, um, I, from the moment I wake up, I'm on the phone with them till the moment I go to bed. You I know, love they it. Push me to be better. Um, it's uh, Jasper Polak and, and Teddy Mitrasilis. They're both driving me to be better every day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are already following you guys, but uh, w- advertise your products, whatever you guys have. What can people buy from you? Where can people follow you? What can people expect from you? Give it to them all. I'm sure we can make some cool little uh, fucking clips about this and, and throw them on Twitter and LinkedIn and all this stuff. Now, now, Brian, that I can actually go out and like share a lot of your stuff because I know the first time around okay. you're, you're like, hey, man, I got to I got to pull back some of the stuff because of uh, <laughs> because of my job. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, uh, let, let people know where they can find you and what they can expect. Absolutely. My main focus is on my newsletter, uh, to Z's perspective. Every week I share, uh, business stories and business lessons on, on how to grow. Um, and so, uh, I have a fun story this week coming out on how the rock is breaking into a really hard to break into tequila market. And when, what lessons can you use for your business on how to, when uh, the competition comes in? Um, and so you can find that, uh, you know, on my Twitter profile, it's Brian F. O'Connor. Uh, or on LinkedIn, also I'm also Brian F. O'Connor. Um, both of those uh, sources follow me there, and both those sources will take you to my newsletter. Love it. And and uh, I'm Harris Fanneroff on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm also, as as alluded to here, uh, have built a uh, employee pre-boarding solution. Pre-boarding is from the moment somebody accepts their offer through their first day. How do you make sure that they show up, are engaged, and productive? And so it's, it's pretty cool. I take the, the time and the effort off your hand as either the founder or the HR manager. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun building it and growing it. And so if you need help with employee onboarding or pre-boarding, love to check me out. Uh, activateonboarding.com is the website or feel free to reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I can vouch these guys are fucking awesome and they'll, uh, they'll get back to you one way or another. So uh, yeah, go follow them and follow their stuff because it's a lot of great content, a lot to learn from too, like I said. So I um, appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for being on. Thanks for spending almost, uh, what is it, an hour and 10 minutes almost on here and talking. And so, uh, no, it's been awesome. Thank you guys. And uh, I'm going to, let me let me hit the record and uh, we, can, we can finish this out with you. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.